I'm going to go back up onto the mountaintop. Um, some of you maybe were a little uncomfortable with this last week, um, but other, others of you were like, this is kind of cool. I kind of like this change. I can see you for the first time without like Martha's nodding her head, right? Um, and, uh, and the sound guys say it's a lot easier to mix the sound. So um, I feel so far away, but maybe this will actually help. So we're going to give this a try for a while, so, so bear with me. Um, uh, last week, I, I told you all about the Gospel of Judas. Remember this? I mentioned the Gospel of Judas. This is like this uh, um, story about Jesus' life. Uh, it's, it's a so-called fifth gospel. So in addition to the ones in the Bible, they found this one. National Geographic found it, and they published it about uh, 10 years ago. And I mentioned last week, like, there's a lot of reasons why this uh, Gospel of Judas should not be put anywhere close to the level of the, the four Gospels that are in the Bible. Uh, we've, got lo- we've got lots of reasons to be pretty suspicious of the claims in this, uh, in this Gospel. But I wanted to bring it up one more time uh, this morning because even though it's not uh, a Christian book, uh, it's a part of this really, I think, interesting movement in history, uh, a movement called Gnosticism. Um, which is very old, and, and it's a movement that has kind of followed Christianity around for a long time. And, uh, and the basic beliefs of Gnosticism go something like this. Um, there, there's a lot of variety, but basically it's this. There's, um, there was like this one main god uh, who one day like decided to start, they say, emanating or like creating new gods, like junior gods. Okay, so now there's all these, there's like the main god and there's these junior gods. And then one day, one of the junior gods made this huge mistake. Like, major bad thing. You know what he did? He created the world. Like the universe that we're in. Like the earth and, and the stars and like rivers and mountains and stuff. And this was like such a bad thing to do because for Gnostics, Physical stuff, like stuff that you can see or touch or taste, like the world that we live in, it's bad. Um, this is not the way it's, it's supposed to be. Like that physical stuff, it, uh, it breaks down. Um, it, gets, it gets dirty. It falls apart. Um, they're like Physical stuff is bad. In fact, they said not only is this universe bad, but also our, like our bodies are bad. Uh, so they say, you know, human beings, they, we were never meant to have bodies because if you think about it, like, of all the things that are dirty and break down and fall apart, like, right, that's a human body, right? I mean, people get sick and they break bones and they get tired and they, they die, right? Like, these bodies are falling apart left and right. And so these Gnostics would say things like this. They would say, um, like, your body is a prison. Your body is a prison. And uh, trapped inside that prison is your spiritual self. It's like your true self, your inner self. That's who you really are, but it is trapped in this awful physical body. And so the most important thing that a person can do uh, is to break out of that prison. 
uh, and to be released to live in like the spiritual world that we were all meant to live in. And, and this is where the Gospel of Judas comes in. So, the Gospel of Judas claims that Jesus came with like this special message uh, for the world, the message of Gnosticism. And, uh, and the Gospel of Judas says that uh, Jesus took Judas aside and, uh, and he shared this special knowledge with him. Like he told him about the, uh, like the, the junior gods and, and like the good spirits and the bad bodies. He told him about all that stuff. Jesus gave Judas like this insider information, this special knowledge. And Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge, right? So that's where they get this from. Uh, so Jesus gives Judas this special knowledge. And once Judas has this special knowledge, he knows what he needs to do. Okay? He needs to help Jesus get free from his body. Okay? And you know how you do that. Jesus needs to die. That's how you do it. And so that's why Jesus, that's why Judas handed Jesus over to be betrayed. Uh, he was doing Jesus a favor, right? Um, he was helping Jesus to die. A little weird, right? This is Gnosticism. Um, and, and these Gnostic ideas, they've, they've been around uh, for a long time, since around the same time as Jesus, but it wasn't until about 100 years after Jesus that these ideas started like getting attached to Christianity. And, and in some ways, you can kind of see how this would happen. Um, you know, the Bible talks about how uh, we need to have this knowledge of God. To be saved, right? And, uh, and, you know, the Bible talks about spiritual things, and it talks about spiritual gifts, and it talks about the Holy Spirit. And so you can see, like, uh, there are verses in the Bible, if you read them a certain way, it kind of, like, it kind of backs this up. And so Gnosticism kind of kept going on the edges of the church um, for a while, in like the 100s and the 200s A.D., but all along, there was this one set of stories in the Bible that these Gnostic Christians had trouble with. It was the stories about Jesus after his resurrection. Uh, remember, the Gnostics believed that Jesus was like this great messenger of how we need to escape our bodies, right? Um, and escape this physical world, and, and his death was supposed to free him. But after Jesus dies, what happens? He, he shows up on earth again, right? And, and more importantly, how does he show up? Is, is he a spirit? Is he a ghost? No, he's got a body! Like, what in the world, right? And so like, if you look at the end of the Gospel of John, uh, there's the story about you know Jesus. He's been raised from the dead, and uh, and it tells a story about this guy Thomas, who was one of his disciples. And Thomas has these doubts and stuff. And 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 Jesus shows up, and he says, Thomas, why don't you touch my body so you can see that it's really me? And so so Thomas touches Jesus' body. Or in the other Gospels, we read about Mary Magdalene. Uh, Mary Magdalene was another follower of Jesus, and. Um, when she sees 
the risen Jesus, it says that she, she grabs him, like she holds on to him. And now you and I read that and we're like, hmm, I, I don't think you can touch a spirit. Right? Like, like you can't hold on to a ghost. Right? This, this is a problem for Gnostics. Right? If, if, if Jesus' whole point was to escape this awful physical world, why, when he'd finally been freed, it's like, yes, he's finally freed, why would he come back? And worst of all, why would he come back with a body? Well, um, the Gnostics are a creative bunch. And um, they took a crack at this problem. They're like, oh, we got a solution to this. And so they said this. They said, okay, sure. Thomas, Mary, these other folks, they did have an experience of God after Jesus died. That's true. They had an experience of God. But those experiences were like symbolic. They were like spiritual experiences. Like, like maybe after Jesus died, uh, Mary Magdalene was just like thinking about how much she loves Jesus and how much Jesus loved her. And as she was like thinking about it and remembering it, that love was just so real in her memory, it was almost like she was giving Jesus a hug. You know? or, or like with Thomas, right? So Thomas has these doubts, right? About Jesus. But then... You know, he's with his fellow disciples and they're telling stories about you know, how things were when they were walking around with Jesus. And those stories, they were just so beautiful and so meaningful to Thomas that it was like Jesus was right there in the room with them. It was, it was like you could just reach out and touch him. That's how, that's how much it meant to him. See how the Gnostics did that? Right? He, he wasn't physically there, of course. That wouldn't make any sense. He was symbolically there. The touching and the hugging, right? Those are, those are symbols of like a deep spiritual experience. So that's the way these uh, Gnostic Christians try to explain the stories after Jesus rises from the dead. But then we come to our story today. This is where it gets interesting. Um, it's Luke chapter 24. It's on page 1107 in your Bible. You'll want to take it out. Luke 24, verse 36. So the, the context here, Jesus, he, he rose from the dead. Right before this, he appeared to these guys on the road to Emmaus. Maybe you remember this story. He appears to these guys, and it like blows them away, right, that they just spent time with Jesus. And so after they experience this thing with Jesus, they, they run to find the other disciples, they want to tell them all about it. And this is what it says, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, uh, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. <laughs> they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, uh, Why are you troubled? And, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Uh, touch me and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his, his hands and his feet. And, and then I love this line. It says, and, and while they still did not believe it, 
because of joy and amazement, (laughs) he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, if you look at that story, the second half of that story, like start like verse 45, kind of fits a Gnostic worldview. Okay, so like verse 45, Jesus opens their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Right? That sounds like He's giving them special knowledge, right? Or verse 49, He says they're going to get power from on high. What kind of power is that? It's spiritual power, right? It's Gnostic. But there is a giant problem for Gnostics in the middle of this story, isn't there? Anybody know what it is? It's that fish. That fish. What in the world are we supposed to make in that fish? You know, when, when, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, Easter Sunday, right? Last week we were celebrating it. When Jesus rose from the dead, it was kind of the biggest deal in human history, right? Uh, but the Bible only has like a handful of stories about what happened after Jesus rose from the dead and then before he ascended into heaven. It's like a month and a half of time, and we've only got a few stories about it. The question is this. If you are only going to include a few stories from that that period of time, why would you waste three precious verses describing his snack? Right? Like, I love the way another pastor I read this week put it. He said, what profound spiritual experience exactly is the fish a symbol of? Why bring it up? I mean, good grief, why tell us it was broiled? Um, Like, of all the things that we are dying to know about this period of time in Jesus' life, like, who is like, you know, let's mention that Larry baked it instead of frying it. You know, Larry's got that great recipe for baked fish. Uh, Let's include that. And the other guy's like, yeah, 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 that's important. That's really important. Let's include that. What? What? Why point out that he took this fish and that he ate it? Why bring up the fish at all? Well, I think you bring up the fish really just for one reason. Um, you bring up the fish if you want people to know that Jesus has a body. You know, I mean, the Gnostics, they believed that food was bad. It's one of the best things about being a spirit is you wouldn't have to eat anymore. 
Here's Jesus. He's like chowing down. Right? Pass the tartar sauce, right? He's loving it. Jesus eats the fish. So why does this matter? Well, I believe this matters because uh, Gnosticism uh, didn't disappear with the Gospel of Judas. In fact, I believe a lot of these Gnostic ideas are as popular today as they ever were in our world. So every time you hear someone talk about how their true identity has nothing to do with their biology or their body, or anytime you hear somebody talk about like their inner light, or, or they talk about how deep down we're all really good, you're, you're, in, you're in Gnostic territory. Okay? Uh, the body is bad, the spirit is good. Right? And that territory, that Gnostic territory, it, uh, it extends into a lot of churches too. So, um, one of the ways that you might hear this is this. I've heard this before. Someone will say, you know, Christians don't need to worry about social issues. You know, like uh, racism, poverty, hunger, whatever. Um, We don't need to worry about that stuff. Uh, We need to worry about saving souls. Now, I think I know what they mean. Um, I think they're worried that a Christian's going to get all excited about whatever social justice issue is trending at the moment. And uh, they're going to tweet about it, and they're going to like things about it on Facebook, and they're going to tell everyone they know about this issue and how important it is and how we all need to care about it. But then that same person will manage to live their whole Christian life never telling another person the simple fact that, oh, by the way, Jesus saves people from their sins. Like, oops, I forgot to mention that. Um, and I think actually this is a pretty legitimate concern. I, um, I think for a lot of people, a lot of Christians, uh, we would rather talk about like social issues like all day long than ever have to mention like salvation through Jesus. But the way that some Christians then critique this can sound very Gnostic. It can sound very, and this is important, it can sound very either or. Okay? Physical, earthly stuff that's bad. Stay away. Right? Spiritual, heavenly stuff that's good. That's Christian. But here's the thing. If Jesus eats the fish, I know this is kind of silly, but Um, Seriously, if Jesus eats the fish, if Thomas didn't just have a dream about touching Jesus' wounds, if if Mary didn't just imagine holding Jesus' body, if Jesus eats the fish, it means Jesus has a body. The resurrected, glorified, eternal Son of God has a body. And it wasn't temporary. It wasn't a concession for just a little short period of time. Jesus has a body. And that means that the Gnostics are wrong. That means that Jesus actually physically, not symbolically, uh, not, not just spiritually, but actually physically rose from the dead. Which means for you and me, 
who the Bible says will share in His resurrection, that means that one day we too will actually, physically, not symbolically, not just spiritually, we will actually physically rise from the dead. Now, I've thought a lot about this. I have no idea how this is going to work. Um, it's going to be it's going to be one crazy miracle. Um, but from one day one after Easter, I mean, like right away, Christians have believed that the eternity we spend with Jesus will not just be spiritual; it'll be physical. We're going to have bodies. And part of what that means is Christians can't say, oh, you know, that's not important. Poverty, racism, whatever. That's body stuff. That's earthly stuff. That's physical stuff. That doesn't matter. No, 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 no. When God created a physical universe, when He created Adam and Eve with bodies, it wasn't an accident. What did he say about it after he created Adam and Eve? He said it was what? It was good. Um, I get what the Gnostics are trying to do here. Okay. And um, I to be fair, I, I think they see what you and I see, even in this church, right? Which is that. This physical world is miserable a lot of the time. And um, people die and they suffer and it's painful. And these Gnostics are like, God, like, give us a lifeboat. Help us out of here. Right? For the Gnostic, the, the solution to this physical world is we got to escape. But Christians have a different solution. For the Christian, the solution is not escape. It's resurrection. God doesn't want us to flee the world. He wants to transform the world. First, Jesus' resurrection, and then ours. And then, in a sense, the whole creation is redeemed. God created the world as a physical and a spiritual place. That wasn't an accident. That that was the plan all along. And it sure looks, after Jesus' resurrection, what we see of Him, it sure looks like God intends to keep things that way. Spiritual and physical. By the way, this is why we don't just preach sermons at Creston Church. We don't just give you new knowledge about God. Uh, it's why we do things like the Lord's Supper, right? Where we, we see it. And we smell it. And we, we touch it. And we taste it. We even he, we hear it. It's, it's, why, it's why we baptize people with water. Um, you know, the, the earliest Christians believed uh, it was important to use either hot water or cold water when you were baptizing someone. 
the idea was, um, like, they didn't want anything lukewarm because they thought it was important to really feel your baptism. Like, not just, like, in your heart somewhere. They wanted you to feel it on your skin. Like, when they baptized babies, they would say, if you get the baby to cry, you're doing it right. Um, and and I, I got to tell you, I mean, the implications of this physical stuff are huge. I mean, I'm already kind of over my time, but I could go for a lot longer. There are just so many things tied up in this. Like, if, if the resurrected Jesus um, in his body is, is the first step of renewing creation, if God is really committed to a physical creation long term, um, that has serious consequences. For instance, it means that uh, Christians have all kinds of reasons to care, not just about like, whether people know the right thing about Jesus. That's important to know the right things about God, but that is not the only important thing. It is also important for Christians to do things like medicine and law, and food, and business, and to care for the environment, and to serve the poor. Like a Christian does not say, like, physical bad, spiritual good, God cares about all of it. I could say a ton more about this, but um, I want to end with this. Um, I've been thinking about this all week. You can tell I'm I'm kind of excited about it. Um, But I was thinking that there are probably some of you who are actually kind of disappointed to hear this. I think it's worth saying again, like I, I don't think the Gnostics were stupid. Um, I mean, they saw what we see, right? That the, the physical world is kind of lame sometimes. And um, it's hard and it's painful to have these bodies. I mean, they can be great. They can be awesome, amazing. But they, they eventually betray us. Right? I mean, we prayed for that long list of people whose bodies have broken down and they're not able to be with us right now. Like, our bodies betray us. Uh, this guy that I like to read, he, he talks about how we live in an age of decay. We live in an age of decay, you know? Um, stuff breaks down. And that's why I wanted to end by pointing out something else about Jesus' resurrection. Which is that his resurrection was totally unique in the Bible. So, some of you might know that there are a few other times in the Bible when people come back from the dead. There's a few times in the Old Testament, a few times in the New Testament besides Jesus when somebody comes back from the dead. But all of those folks, every one of them, died again. They got frail and sick and they died again. Bummer, right? That's, that's life in the age of decay. Jesus is different. Jesus doesn't die again. He goes to heaven in his body where he still is 2,000 years later in the same body right now. And that's not the only thing that's different about Jesus' body. So, in the Gospel of John... When Jesus shows up to his disciples, you might know this story, they're in a locked room, right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there. 
And I kid you not, most scholars think that the best explanation for how Jesus got into that room is he walked through the walls. Pretty different, right? It's a physical body. It's different than mine, right? Or uh, when he sees those guys on the road to Emmaus, uh, he's talking with them, they're hanging out, they're walking. When they finally recognize him, he's just like, Jesus just disappears. So it's a physical body, <laughs> but it's not a typical one, right? And this is really key. When God resurrects Jesus, or us, or this creation, it's the same. It's physical. But it is also really different. Like the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about uh, Jesus' resurrection and ours, he says this, he says, Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, it's talking about um, where we're going to spend eternity. It calls it the the new heavens and the new earth. Um, And this new heavens and new earth, it's got a river in it. And uh, it doesn't have a sea, that's another story for another day, but it has a river in it, and it has trees, and there's a city, and we have bodies. It's physical. But it also says that it is a place where there is no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. It's physical, but it's really different. It is transformed. It's made new. That is our hope in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.